Hello, everyone. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest edition of the Giants Beat Podcast. I'm Alex Evans, and I have the pleasure of welcoming my new co-host, David Blepstein, to the Giants Beat Podcast. David just recently joined the Giants and Mets Beat, and we're all excited to have him on the team, and I'm personally excited to have him and his extensive knowledge of the Giants on the show. So, David, welcome. Thank you, Alex, for that lovely intro. Let's get right into it, you know? We have the New York Giants to talk about. We have a draft coming up in about a month. And you know what? As writers and reporters, we have every right to to voice our opinions and see what we think between two Giants fans here, what the Giants are going to do in about a month. So this is important for us. Exactly. It's a, it's a very important draft. Um, and let's just, yeah, as you said, let's, let's get right into it. With the 2017 draft, just a little over a month away, David and I are going to spend the next half hour or so previewing all things blatantly regarding the draft including team needs, projected draft choices, surprise picks, and what we believe the Giants will do with their first through third round picks at least. So, David, I'm going to bring you in here right now. The Giants had some glaring holes in their game last season on both sides of the ball Excuse me, that they certainly must address if they you know, have any chance to contend for a Super Bowl next season. What positions is the team desperately in need of and the positions that you think the front office will key in on in next month's draft? Okay, Alex, that's a great question to start. You know, we're hitting right off on the key points of the Giants. You know, last season we were a playoff team. However, we did lose to the Packers. Uh, I think the most important step for the Giants moving forward is to find the eventual replacement for Eli Manning. I think we should do that within the first three rounds. I also believe that we should find a running back. Because uh, Paul Perkins, while he is great and he did show some success at the end of the season, I think we need a new workhorse running back that we can give the ball to 20, 25 times, such as we saw in Dallas with Ezekiel Elliott and how he absolutely took over the league. Um, also, obviously, the Giants, if we are going to stick with Eli Manning, he is getting up there in age. I think offensive line, getting in some prospects that we can rotate into the system, get them there for 10 to 15 years, uh, shore up that line. It's never been a real strong point uh, for us. And also I think another key component is always going to be linebacker. The Giants just never seem to draft a high-end prospect. We have we have talent there, but it's just not enough. And while our defense is a great aspect of our team, there's always steps to improve. And I think shoring up that linebacker might be the way to do it this time. Yeah, I actually I agree with you on all, on all your points there. Um, I'd say their top priority is drafting an offensive lineman, preferably multiple, uh, that can either you know compete yeah. for a job or get plugged in right and play right away. You know, even though you know they picked up a great blocking end in tight end in Rhett Ellison from the Vikings, he can help improve their run game. It doesn't really eliminate from the fact that you know the, the Giants had pretty much the worst run game in football last season. And I guess as you said, aside from offensive linemen. I'd, I'd actually like to see them maybe draft a tight end who has the ability to, to split out in the slot and, you know, give Eli another threat to throw to. Any team that's, you know, played Super Bowl winning ball in the past couple of years has had a good receiving tight end. We see it in New England with Rob Gronkowski and, of course, Martellus Bennett last season. So I think that a receiving tight end is certainly on their radar. But, yeah, as you said, a running back is definitely an option. Maybe not in the first round, but in the second or third. You know, it's a top-heavy class this year, and I don't know if they're completely sold with Paul Perkins being their feature back. Ben McAdoo has come out and said he likes he likes Perkins. He wants Perkins to be the guy, but, you know, I don't think that Perkins has proven that he's going to be, you know, that feature back. He's definitely a great third-down option, but I'm not really sure if he's going to be that that, that three-down back, kind of like an Adrian Peterson. Um, so that's kind of how I feel about that. But we're going to move on now because we have a lot to cover and not too much time, so... 
as we get closer and closer to draft time, speculation continues to grow regarding who the Giants will select with, you know, the 23rd overall pick in the first round. You know, a lot of speculation in the recent weeks has come about, you know, that a lot of the Giants, um, Giants front office members want O.J. Howard out of Alabama. And, he's, and if he's still on the board, I'm sure the Giants would love to pick him. But, you know, an offensive tackle such as Cam Robinson, who actually wrote a scouting report on a few days ago for scout.com, he could be selected. And, David, what specific player or players would you like the Giants to use their first-round pick on? If in whatever universe we live in, O.J. Howard is still somewhere <laughs> somehow there at day three, the Giants should absolutely take him and thank their lucky stars because O.J. Howard <laughs> looks like the next great tight end. He really, truly does. Everything I've seen on him from his, uh, from his NFL Combine to his stats and highlights at Alabama has proven, at least to me, like the next great tight end for the Giants, hopefully. Um, we haven't had really a stable tight end since Jeremy Shockey in, what, 2005, 2006 was his last mm-hmm. good season for the Giants. And between, what, Jake Ballard and um, Larry Donnell and that one season, Martellus Bennett, the Giants really have not had that option uh, to expand their game from the tight position. And we did sign uh, the Vikings tight end. I, I, you said his name. I can't remember, recall the name off the top of my head. But he's more of a blocking tight end slash fullback. If we somehow got O.J. Howard, that would be – it would be an A-plus for the Giants no matter what. Or the other option, truthfully, to look at is is maybe the end of Eli and, and Mitchell Trubisky. You know what? As much as it pains me to say it, Eli's not immortal. The guy's 36 years old. He has played every career. But how much longer can we really account for that? And if you can set up a franchise for 10 to 12 to 15 years and you believe Trubisky's the guy, what's stopping you, you know? Yeah, it would, de- it would definitely be, you know, a drastic shift from what most, you know, experts in mock drafts they're uh, thinking the Giants are going to do. I, I agree with you about O.J. Howard. He's just a freak of nature. He's 6'6". He's got four five one speed in his 40. He runs crisp routes. You know, he isn't afraid to block. He's got great hands, and he's a good downfield blocker, which is something that's overlooked. It's very important. And uh, But I don't think he'll be available at 23. If he is, obviously the Giants need to pick him. But I think Cam Robinson would be the next, next best, best option He's a tackle out of Alabama, obviously. He's huge. You know, he's 322 pounds, 6'6". He runs a 5'1", 5'40". He's just an, an athlete, a beast. He has quick hands, and he fires limits to his opponents with tremendous force. You know, he's got 35-inch long arms, so he's going to, you know, really, you know, get contact first on those um, pass rushers, which is going to allow which allows him to get great extension in his punch. And, you know, he shows balance on his kick slides, and he's athletic enough to, you know, slide over to catch interior pass rushers. And, you know, as with all, like, high-quality offensive linemen, he's got a great motor, and he fights hard until the whistle blows. So, and, I mean, it's it's kind of unfortunate. He's he's drawn comparisons to Eric Flowers, which is something Giants fans definitely don't want to hear. But rest assured, that's based on size alone. And I think Cam beat out Flowers, if not just, you know, push Flowers to, you know, perform better during camp in the, in the full season. But we're going to move on now. And one thing you did bring up is Mitchell Trubisky and basically the fact that the Giants might want to, you know, draft a quarterback in this round. Um, personally, I think it's not an incredibly deep class, which makes me believe they'll wait till next year's class rolls around. But, again, I guess you already answered the question, but do you think that the Giants will try and find their next franchise guy? You know, Trubisky may not be around at 23. Watson might not be either. Kaiser might not be either. And if those three guys aren't, you still think the Giants are going to try and find their guy? Here's what I think. Eli Manning is 36 years old. He's a borderline Hall of Fame quarterback, at the very least, a very interesting discussion when it's all said and done. 
Giants fans are going to love Eli forever. You know, we, we will always appreciate what he's done. However, like I said, the man's 36. He's one hit away from being Peyton Manning in his final season where he's broken down, he's injured, and you can tell that that it's over. However, obviously no one wants that to happen. And right now, if the Giants, for whatever reason, lost Eli Manning, our backup quarterback is Josh Johnson and Geno Smith. Neither of those names inspire a lot of hope or or uh, comfort in my heart. I'm yeah. not sure about you, but I don't want you know taking sacks of the Giants ever. Um, we can look at the Jets. We can look at the Jets right now. They have not drafted a franchise quarterback in. Would you even consider Mark Sanchez a franchise quarterback? I mean, I, I suppose, but that's close to <laughs> ten years ago now, or at least seven, yeah. eight years. So, if you can convince yourself and the Giants front office that Trubisky is that next franchise quarterback that can lead us into the future because you're going to have Sterling Shepard and Odell Beckham and other offensive weapons that we do obviously get over time. If you can convince yourself that he is that weapon that will lead us for the next 10 to 15 years, you've got to take Trubisky. But I really don't believe that he will be there. I think some team in the top 10, top 15 is going to convince himself of that more than the Giants would. And if he's there, I would like to see him taken. If it's between O.J. Howard and Trubisky, I would I would choose O.J. Howard hands down. But if he's the best player there at Trubisky at, at 23, you, you have to take the future. And you smile and you hope that it's the right choice. Yeah, I agree. If Trubisky is there, you definitely consider it. I think he's going to be gone in the top five, maybe to San Francisco. That's what a lot of people are saying. But, you know, all in all, I think you wait. You wait till next draft class. This year's draft class is pretty weak. I don't think... You know, any of the top three guys, Watson, Trubisky, and I guess you could put Deshaun Kaiser in there too, will be, you know, solid NFL quarterbacks. And, you know, the, the only other reason they could have drafted a QB was to find a better backup. But, you know, they recently signed Geno, and they re-signed Josh Johnson to a two-year deal. So it's pretty pretty obvious that those are the two guys that are going to battle out and it out in camp for, you know, a backup role. And the Giants are pretty much set at that position. So I think they'll look for their look to the future and look for the future guys during the next draft when guys like, you know, Lamar Jackson, a Jake Browning, and a Sam Darnold are in the mix. So I think they'll wait till there's a little more talent in the class. And I think Eli's good for at least one more year for the team. Um, so that's where I'm at with that. And, you know, like like you, I thought I think the Giants will, you know, take an offensive lineman relatively early. Again, if O.J. Howard isn't there, they could take a Cam Robinson, something like that. And that leaves them with some holes to fill at the tight end and running back position later on potentially. And with the running back class that I said before was, you know, fairly top-heavy, they're going to have a big decision to make as to which position they should select first. So, David, in your opinion, what position, and who specifically that position, do you think the Giants will and need to select in both the second and third rounds, keeping in mind that they have the 23rd pick in both of those rounds? I think, in my opinion, if we take an offensive lineman in the first round, which I would think would be a success, depending on who was there, I think offensive line would be a nice, safe Secure pick. Um, in the second or third round, you have to take the best available player in terms of tight end or running back just to give Eli Manning more space and more control over the field. You can't rely on Eli Manning to throw 35 passes, 40 passes a game. It's just unrealistic. There's a running back there who can take the load off a little bit more because I think Paul Perkins is good for 180, maybe 200 carries a season. I think that might be his maximum, but we, we'll know as time goes on. If you can get a power back, or even someone like um, – if you can get a running back that can take the ball 15, 20 times as well along with Perkins and ease off him as well and give the Giants another weapon, I think you can benefit from there or the best available tight end. Just anything to ensure 
the Eli is surrounded by as many weapons as we can. If we're going to use Eli Manning to the very bitter end, give him every chance you can to win us one more Super Bowl, give us one more deep postseason run to remember him by. Because otherwise, you're you're not planning for the future. Then, if you're not drafting that that uh, next quarterback, at least provide enough weapons for the current one that we can have one more last chance of glory. Exactly. You want to give Eli, you know, we don't know how much time he has left, but you want to give him, you know, as much weapons as possible. It's similar to what New England did, you know, giving Tom Brady, Brandon Cooks to throw to. You know, that's that's a whole other story. But uh, I see the Giants going yeah. after a tight end in the second round, you know, if, if O.J. Howard doesn't fall to them. I like this kid, David Njoku. He's kind of the second-best tight end option behind Howard, and I think the Giants are interested in him. You know, they've had success with University of Miami tight ends in the past with Jeremy Shockey and the like. And Njoku has a size. He's got the speed to be a good player. He's quick. You know, he's he's great in the second or third levels. He's, he's soft hands. He's versatile. Play outside and from the slot and in line. And, he's you know, he's willing to compete as a blocker, which is very important. And um, if they end up getting Njoku um, or the next best tight end in the class in the second round, which whoever that is, I'd be fine with. It's, you know, a very deep class when compared to recent years. I would think they'd go with a running back in the third. And a guy that I think might follow the third or fourth round, he's kind of getting – you know, anywhere from a three to a fifth round projection is Samaji Perrine from Oklahoma. I think he could fall that low. He's he's a solid he's a solid player. He's five ten, two hundred thirty five pounds. You know, tough physical. He can handle twenty plus carries a game. He has patience and waits for blocks. And he's a pretty good receiver out of the backfield. He's not a Paul Perkins, you know, kind of receiving threat out of the backfield. But I think that he would be a a very solid, a very solid pick that you know could split time with Perkins. I I don't know how that would work there. I don't know if you would give. I guess you would start giving – you would make Perkins the feature back and you know, give him the bulk of the carries until Perrine gets comfortable. But, you know, over time, Perrine seems like a guy who can, you know, carry the ball uh, more times and is going to be a guy that can kind of morph into, you know, a, a feature back in every down back. Um, yeah. But quickly, I, I'd like – yeah, and you, yeah, you go ahead, go ahead. No, I, I, I agree. You know, what realistically, Paul Perkins, we, we saw some potential out of him. You know, he could be that guy. And even if we don't draft the running back in the third round, because you never know how the draft will go. It could always there could always be a a guy who drops randomly to the Giants, like, oh, hey, we had a first round grade on him. It's the middle of the second. All right, let's take him. And then in the third round, there might be a guy with a second round grade. You never truly know because draft night is always unpredictable, which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why we love sports. Um, my opinion on running backs has always been you can you can find a quality running back in the fourth, fifth, or sixth round, and yeah. if the Giants believe that there is a player in the third round who who they have a higher grade on than someone else and they think he is that difference maker offensively or defensively then you take that player and you almost bet against the running backs because there are a plethora of running backs on free agency such as Adrian Peterson Jamal Charles, Marshawn Lynch supposedly wants to come back and play uh, there's just so many decent running backs you can still at least get 100, 150 carries out of in a season for one year and, and then you worry about it in the following draft. But running back, if there is someone there in the fourth, fifth, or sixth round, maybe the Giants take them. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't say no to free agency just yet. It all depends, though, obviously. Yeah, I agree. Those are some great points, David. And uh, quickly, I'd, I'd just like to ask you if you think there's, you know, a player that is off of most Giants fans' radars, but a guy who the Giants, you know, might pick – early on and surprise everyone or just pick in general and surprise everyone. As you said, you know, the draft night, draft night's pretty unpredictable, which is obviously why it's fantastic. But do you see the Giants, you know, kind of surprising uh, 
teams and the fans and just the entire league in general and picking someone um, someone that's not really on their radar right now? I hope not. I, I, as a Giants fan, I truly <laughs> hope not. They, they don't surprise us. Please don't. Unless there's Mitchell Trubisky there at 23 or O.J. Howard, please stick to the plan and draft offensive linemen or linebackers or a position of need. Do, do not shock us, please, uh, Giants front office. Stay predictable and stay consistent. That's what we want. We do not need a crazy pick. Yeah, I, I, I've, it's, it's weird. I, I agree with you. I think they should just you know, stay the course, do what they're supposed to do, or do what everyone expects them to do. But I've seen a couple mock drafts now that have the Giants, you know, maybe picking a linebacker, Zach Cunningham out of Vanderbilt. I don't know if you've heard of it. He's, he was probably, he was arguably one of the best backers in the country uh, last season. He had 125 tackles and 16 and a half for loss. And he's just a, this playmaking machine. It's one of those situations where, you know, let's say O.J. Howard's gone, let's say Cam Robinson's gone, Trubisky's gone, maybe you just kind of go with the best player available. And I think Cunningham's kind of that late first-round player. And, you know, again, the Giants, I guess, you know, they could use a linebacker. They're pretty set that in that area. But, you know, I guess, you know, you want to have some depth in that position. And I think Cunningham could be, you know, one of the next great NFL linebackers. You know, he's he's got great speed. He creates, creates tackles for losses. He shoots the gaps. You know, he's got a good feel for blockers. And he, you know, he can shed blocks easily. And he's just a playmaking machine, as I said before. So I think that Cunningham, Zach Cunningham from Vanderbilt, could be that surprise. Pretty much based on the fact that I've seen him in a couple mock drafts. And, you know, there's a couple mock drafts I, I, uh, I take more seriously than others. And this was in one of them. But, again, the New England Patriots are also, have also shown interest. Bill Belichick has gone to um, Vanderbilt's pro day to see him. And, you know, knowing the Patriots, they'll end up getting him because, you know, they're the Patriots and they're smart. But moving on from that, um, David, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to bring up uh, some, um, a little bit of free agency now. I think we'd be remiss if we didn't, you know, bring it up in, you know, the big signings the Giants have made so far. Brendan Marshall's two-year $12 million deal stands out, as well as, Jason Pierre-Paul's re-signing to that four-year, $62 million deal. So, David, what has impressed you about what the Giants have done this offseason, and, you know, what do you think is the best deal they've been able to make so far? The best deal, in my opinion, very clearly stands out above anything else is the Brandon Marshall deal for $2 million, $12 million. Two years, $12 million. You have taken now a a number one wide receiver for his entire career, paired him up with a very exceptional quarterback in Eli Manning, and now – he will no longer have to worry about the number one cornerback on a team. He can now uh, – I wouldn't be surprised if Brandon Marshall had a career uh, resurgence with the Giants had over 1,200 yards, maybe even close to 10 touchdowns uh, in that first mm-hmm. year because he's a Hall of Fame potential guy. He really has that yeah. ability to stretch the field, make big plays, and give Eli another weapon to to, to that championship window possibly. I think at $12 million at only $6 million a year, we got an absolute steal. Especially when you see in uh, Washington, Pryor got $8 million for one year. For a guy that's been a wide receiver for less than one full calendar year, it's, it's crazy. We got him for an absolute steal. I think we can take as much talent uh, on the wide receiver court and, and, and build around it. We really can. Sterling Shepard's great. Beckham obviously highlight plays every single week. And now Marshall as a stabilizer, I'm thrilled. I really truly with them. Yeah, I, I mean, again, just um, you were talking about Terrell Pryor's uh, one-year $8 million deal. Alshon Jeffrey, the Eagles, signed into a one-year $14 million deal. It's the, the most uh, money for a, for a one-year deal um, that broke Brian Fitzpatrick's uh, one-year $12 million the Jets last season. So that's another another comparison. And, and I agree with you. I think it's actually a tie between Brendan Marshall and Jason Pierre-Paul. 
you know, Marshall gives Eli that, you know, that big 6'4 receiver who, you know, excels when catching the ball at the highest point. You know, he's great in the in the red zone, obviously, and on 50-50 balls. And he's, he was a nice compliment to, to smaller and speedier receivers in Odell Beckham and Sterling Shepard. Um, so this receiving core is, should be the best in football. Um, you know, last year, you know, it was Beckham, Shepard, and Cruz. A, a nice receiving core, but again, Cruz, you know, wasn't that big guy like Marshall. So now you have a little, you know, a little variety in terms of who Eli Manning can throw to the ball to. And then, as you said before, plus, you know, they only played 12 million for two years for, for a guy who had, you know, who's had at least a thousand receiving yards on four different teams uh, with, I guess, I believe it's Miami, Chicago, Denver, and uh, of course the Jets. So, I mean, that's an absolute steal. And uh, in terms of Jason Pierre-Paul, he was a huge signing, not just because, you know, he was great last year. He had seven sacks and, you know, those 53 combined tackles before, you know, getting season-ending sports hernia surgery, but because of the fact that, you know, he takes pressure off of Olivier Vernon. When both of them are on the field and rushing the, you know, rushing the pass, they're opposing offensive lines. They can't just, you know, focus on one. They can't double Vernon because then JPP is going to have an easier time. So it kind of just, it really just kind of enhances both of their games, and, and it also just keeps continuity along the defensive line uh, for this defense that, you know, improved so much over last season. I, I don't necessarily think that not re-signing JPP would have, you know, hindered the defense, but I think it would have made a little bit of an impact, so I'm kind of happy that, you know, they had that continuity from last season coming into this season. And so I just I see no reason why they can't be good again without uh, the JPP signing. What do you think about um, the resigning? Do you think he was deserving of the money, Jason Pierre-Paul, or what are your feelings, David? I, I, I feel like we gave him $30 million, correct, guaranteed money in the first year, I believe it was, $30 million, around that number. Yeah, I believe so. So, okay. So, I mean, Jason Pierre-Paul is – we drafted him, you know, he, he came up through the giant system, very great, talented uh, lineman, obviously, you know, did something a little bit stupid on 4th of July. Either way, he came back this season and proved in 12 games that he was healthy. At $62 million, I mean, I, I believe it's a little bit of an overpay, but for that continuity for the four years and for the fact that we're not going to have to worry about our defensive line for the foreseeable future makes me feel happy. And we don't have to really address that in the draft at least for not the next couple of years. So for that peace of mind and for for what we had to give up for him, I get it. It makes sense. Um, as long as the money's still there when Odell becomes a free agent, uh works for me. As long as he can pay that man. That's, that's what matters <laughs> at the end of the day. Yeah, I I agree with you there. And uh, moving on now, is there a signing from free agency that you believe was big for the team but is kind of going – you know, mostly unnoticed because it doesn't involve, you know, a big name, a big name player like a Brandon Marshall or a Jason Pierre-Paul. Um, we signed uh, DJ Fluker, correct? We signed him to a one-year deal yep. or was it two? I, I'm, okay, it was a one-year deal. I think at least that gives more competition out of the offensive line, gives Eli someone to protect him uh, that we're pretty confident can do his job, and it, it gives the Giants a little more peace of mind and, and hopefully keeps Eli Manning upright for next season. <laughs> That's what matters at the end of the day. <laughs> Yeah, I agree with you. I think that DJ Fluger and re-signing John Jerry was big. You know, John Jerry was, I mean, I, I mean, it's not really saying much, but he might have been their best offensive lineman last season. He he started all the games and he allowed two sacks and he, he had you know probably one of his better seasons. Then Fluger, of course, he's young. I think he's 26 or 27. He's he can't be older than 28. And you know, it kind of fills a void left by Marshall Newhouse, who of course signed with Oakland for two years, three and a half million dollars. Um, Newhouse kind of alternated at tackle and guard in 10 games last season, and Fluker 
has the ability to play either position as well. So I think, again, you know, that's going to bolster up the offensive line along with a couple of draft picks and, you know, create some competition. Usually competition, you know, breeds, you know, success. So hopefully um, Fluker's, you know, going to be a worthwhile addition. You know, the deal, I, I, I don't know the specifics again, but we think it's one year. Um, I don't know how much she's, she was paid, but I'm sure it was worth it. Um, Finn Diego kind of just wanted to get rid of him uh, when it all was said and done. So I think DJ Fluker was one of those signings that was unnoticed but was big for this team. And um, finally, uh, at this point in time, we're, we're still in free agency, and guys like Jonathan Hankins and Adrian Peterson remain on the market. Do you think that both of those guys are in play for the Giants to sign? And if so, who should they prioritize? Hankins, who you know played a big role on a dominant defensive line last season and was a big part of their, their success, or you know one of the greatest running backs of our generation, and if not all time, in Adrian Peterson? Uh, can I say both? Because I believe both is the correct answer. <laughs> yeah, here. sounds good to me. It's, it's, it's true because Hankins, the same case, the same case can be made with uh, Jason Pierre-Paul to Hankins. Uh, consistency, great player, going to be worth the money that we give him or uh, if some unfortunate other team does give him the money, I'd rather it be us. And <laughs> depending on how the draft goes, if we don't draft a running back or we draft one like the sixth, seventh, you know, rather we take someone draft a free agent, Major Peterson's still sitting there. There's a very real chance he could be come August and maybe even into the season. He might take a very reduced salary to come play football again. If we give him under $4 million for a season and he wants to come in and prove that he's still got some football left in him, you give him that money right now and then you're like, all right, man's motivated, he's hungry, and gives us a marquee name. Because Adrian Peterson is still a well-known player in football, even casual fans or people who don't really follow football that closely know who Adrian Peterson is. That helps with marketing and selling tickets and advertising at the very least. So you would sell $4 million worth of AP jerseys almost instantaneously, at the worst case. At the best case, the man dominates and puts over 1,000 yards again. You never know, but I would like to see that happen. Yeah, yeah. I think I think both would be great to have. I think Hankins is more realistic. I mean, I think at this point, Adrian Peterson's probably asking for too much money. And, you know, as lo- the longer he stays on the market, obviously that price is going to drop if he really wants to wants to play. But I think Hankins is probably, you know, more of a pri- more of a priority. Um, he was, you know, that, another solid interior defensive lineman for the Giants. He, I think he had three sacks and, you know, over 40 combined tackles last season. And he's, you know, he, creates, he really kind of, you know, creates that stack defensive line with combined with Damon Harrison in the middle, Olivier Vernon and Jason Pierre-Paul. And Adrian Peterson... You know, I, I mean, I think he can still play. Um, again, running backs we know have kind of short shelf lives or shorter shelf lives than most other positions because you know they're getting hit constantly every single play. But again, he's better than nothing, and you know he's. I mean, you'd obviously rather have him as your future back than Paul Perkins at this time. And again, Adrian Peterson, it's going to be the money to me. It's going to come down to that and the fact that the Giants, if they can't, you know put five capable offensive linemen in front of him to block, it doesn't matter how good Adrian Peterson is. You know, if he doesn't have blockers, he's not going to be able to be as successful as he was in Minnesota in previous years. True. I think at the end of the day, it comes down to how much money he wants. And the same thing with Hankins, obviously. The money is the priority there because they want money, and I understand that. But if Adrian Peterson becomes humbled by the fact that it's late June, July, then August, and he's like, all right, I still want to play, I'll take – $3 million, it's like, all right, you have to prove something now to the rest of the world. Show us that you can be a feature back again. And I think he would dominate. You know, I still think he can play at a high level at least one more season. I think he's still at it in him. But we'll find out. Hopefully, I, I hope he signs somewhere. I don't want to see him retire yet. 
Well, well, David, that's that's a great point, and that's actually all the time we have for today's podcast. So, just to remind everyone, the 2017 excuse me NFL draft will take place from April 27th to April 29th. And I believe it's Philadelphia this year, uh, with plenty of talent up for grabs for all 32 NFL teams. We'll be back after the conclusion of the draft to break down every giant selection and who we think will be solid players and who we believe, you know, will be busts in this year's class. Until then, for David Bloodstein, I'm Alex Evans, and you've been listening to the Giants Beat Podcast. So long, and as always, go Giants.